Well, good morning, everyone. My name is Neil, and I'm one of the pastors here at The Edge. So glad to have you join us today. Um, it is our prayer at The Edge that whatever we do here on a Sunday and throughout the week, that you would encounter Jesus in a way that transforms your life from Sunday morning throughout the entire week. We're continuing in our series today. Um, it's called Empowered. It's all about getting to see and, and then really honestly just partake in God's plan to bless the world through the creation of the church. He animated the church with the Holy Spirit. And this sermon series is based on the book of Acts. And as the name would suggest, it is full of action. But action honestly can be deceiving if we make it our main focus. It's easy for us to miss the intent and the heart of God if we don't look into the why of the action. Years ago, I walked into a grocery store and Brandy had given me an assignment. She said, just go to the deli and get a pound of coleslaw. And when I walked up to the deli, I noticed no one was there. So I walked up to the counter and I saw uh, the, the person behind the counter and I just said, hey, can I get a pound of coleslaw? And he looks at me and he just goes, well, you're actually gonna have to take a number first. And I thought he was joking because nobody was there. Nobody else was there. So I just kind of laughed and I looked at him and he goes, no, I'm serious. It's store policy that you have to take a number first. Now, I didn't make a huge deal out of it. I didn't understand why he had to do that, but it really irritated me. And honestly, it's because red tape to me is one of my biggest pet peeves because it misses the bigger goal and it makes something that could be really simple more complicated and unnecessarily so. So don't do things just to do them, right? Like we don't need more things to do just to do them, but know why you're doing what you do. That may sound like just a random story, but I believe that it significantly aligns with the book of Acts. The book of Acts known as the book of, of signs and wonders. But what do we get if our end goal is signs and wonders. Ultimately, I believe that we will be disappointed and we will fail to cling to faith in Jesus. Because signs, what are they for? When we, we're on the interstate and we see signs, they tell us the speed limit. They aren't the actual speed limit. It is a sign telling you what the speed limit is. Signs are meant to point to something. And in the case of the Bible, Signs are always meant to point us to the reality of Jesus and his saving and holistic work in our lives. If we make the focus of our life signs, we're going to miss out on some of the really simple blessings and things that God's doing right in front of us. Let's not be people who refuse to believe in the one of whom the signs speak. We're going to get into our passage today, Acts chapter 3, verses 11 through 26. It says, while the man held on to Peter and John, all the people were astonished and came running to them in the place called Solomon's Colonnade. When Peter saw this, he said to them, fellow Israelites, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us as if by our own power or godliness we made this man walk? The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant Jesus. You handed him over to be killed, and you disowned the holy and righteous one and asked that a murderer be released to you. You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. We are witnesses of this by faith in the name of Jesus. 
This man whom you see and know was made strong. It is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has completely healed him, as you all can see. Now, fellow Israelites, I know that you acted in ignorance, as did your leaders, but this is how God fulfilled what he had foretold through all the prophets, saying that his Messiah would suffer. Repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord, and that he may send the Messiah who has been appointed for you, even Jesus. Heaven must receive him until the time comes for God to restore everything, as he promised long ago through his holy prophets. For Moses said, the Lord your God will raise up a prophet like me from among your own people. You must listen to everything he tells you. Anyone who does not listen to him will be completely cut off from their people. Indeed, beginning with Samuel, all the prophets who have, who have spoken have foretold these days. And you are heirs of the prophets and of the covenant God made with your fathers. He said to Abraham, through your offspring, all peoples on earth will be blessed. When God raised up his servant, he sent him first to you to bless you by turning each of you from your wicked ways. Now, this text is absolutely fascinating to me, and it comes on the heels of the message that Brandy preached last week about the disabled beggar, the man who had never been able to walk. So from birth, he was very, very used to being disabled. So Peter and John approached him and basically said, we don't have money, Mr. Beggar, but what we have is Jesus, and we're going to give him to you. So they said, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, stand up and walk. And we're told that they grabbed his hand. And in that process of grabbing his hand and when he stood to his feet, his feet and ankles were healed. And we're told after that, that he was jumping around, leaping and singing and praising God. And then Peter took this opportunity with the crowd who had just witnessed this miracle because what a great attention getter. And he preached this empowered and impassioned message about how Jesus was the source of the healing. He wanted to make sure, they wanted to make sure that nobody looked at them and thought they had some magic. This immediately reminded me of some of my own spiritual history. When I first became a Christian, God was incredibly gracious to me to allow me to see supernatural things on, on, on the regular. I heard about this revival that was, that was going on in Pensacola, Florida, and I went with some of my friends to see what it was all about. The worship was beautiful. It was, it was just amazing and heartfelt. And the time of prayer at the end of each of the gatherings really mesmerized me. One particular thing stood out to me. I noticed each night when it was time to pray that people were saying, like the crowd was sort of talking about who you should go to. Well, this one is, this one feels really amazing. And this one, you really want to go for this kind of prayer. And you probably shouldn't go to this guy because he doesn't really have the results. But that one at the end is awesome. And people were shifting lines. They were like going into different lines to be prayed for by other people. And I just thought, that's weird. And I noticed that nobody, none of the revival leaders were, were trying to get people to do that. But the crowd was sort of looking at certain people as if they were better prayers than others. And I thought that was really, really interesting. And even though I was still very new to the faith, I just had this deep sense inside me. I believe it was the Holy Spirit. Just letting me know that something was a little bit off here. That many in the crowd were chasing after signs or an individual more 
then they were seeking after the giver of the signs. And that leads us to our very first point today that I believe is important for us in this passage, that people empowered by the Holy Spirit recognize that miracles are blessings only when we recognize their source. Let me say that again. People empowered by the Holy Spirit recognize that miracles are blessings only when we recognize their source. And yes, I do believe that fully. I have seen people be healed and rescued and delivered from problems and sins and patterns and sicknesses. And then they've turned and not recognized the source of their rescue. We are not ultimately called to follow people or signs or, um, or go to certain ministries of people. But in our human frailty and in our tendencies toward idolatry, we settle for what is less than and then we completely miss the source. This is what Peter and John wanted to help the crowd avoid. They did not want the crowd to look at them and think they were magical people. In the Gospel of Matthew chapter 16, Jesus shared with his followers what it actually looked like to be one of his followers. In verse 24, he said, What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world, yet forfeit their soul? What an incredible question. And it's, it's not just a question for people who aren't in the church, but it's also important for those of us who are in the church. We can live in the most hyper-aware state. Like we can be so attuned to looking for supernatural healings and blessings, and we can miss the point of them all. The point of the blessings and the healings is always about knowing and following Jesus. But can we be honest? It is so hard for us not to focus what's right on what's right in front of us. We don't fully comprehend what eternity is like. All we see is what's right in front of us on a regular basis. And that is why we have to keep what is most important always in front of us, not on the periphery, but in front of us so that we don't lose track. The Apostle Paul had addressed this, this myopic vision of the people of the church of Corinth too. He spoke against the divisions that were being formed in the church based on which leaders they preferred and followed. It's no different at all than our human tendencies, just like at the revival in Florida that I went to. 1 Corinthians chapter uh, 1, verses 11 through 13, it says, My brothers and sisters, some from Chloe's household, have informed me that there are quarrels among you. What I mean is this. One of you says, I follow Paul. Another says, I follow Apollos. Another says, I follow Cephas. Still another, I follow Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Were you baptized in the name of Paul? Now, here's the thing. The Holy Spirit does not heal people just for the sake of healing people. Can we just acknowledge that? He heals people to point them to Jesus, the only one that God has appointed for us to, to be saved by. He's the only one. We must resist everything and anything in us that improperly elevates gifts from God over God. We must also resist lifting up any servants of God higher than we should be lifted. We are not meant for the weight of that glory. Here's our second idea today. We are empowered by the Spirit to tell the whole story of Jesus when we connect the testimony of the entirety of Scripture. That's a long point. I'll say that one again, too. We are empowered by the Spirit 
to tell the whole story of Jesus when we connect the testimony of the entirety of Scripture. From verses 17 through 26, Peter reminded the audience what Jesus did was already prophesied. So, so, so Peter was taking them back to the reality of Jesus, but that this was not some new thing. This was prophesied about many hundreds of years ago. And in just three verses, listen to these, verses 17 through 19, this is what Peter said. Lots of reminders to them about, hey, this is the guy that I told you about. Now, fellow Israelites, I know that you acted in ignorance, as did your leaders, but this is how God fulfilled what he had foretold through all the prophets, saying that his Messiah would suffer. Repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. Why did he mention, like a couple times, he's like, this was foretold. In other words, like this was a Jewish crowd. It's a Jewish audience. This was history that they were already taught. They were familiar with this. Peter wasn't talking to people that weren't aware of the scripture. He was pointing them back to what they'd heard over and over again. And he still said, even though you were told all these things, you acted in ignorance. But God made a way where there seemed to be no way. And that's what God does. That's what he's always done. Don't look at Jesus and think, well, people screwed up, so Jesus was God's plan B. Jesus has never been God's plan B. Jesus has always been the plan. I love in the Old Testament book of Isaiah, chapter 43, verses 18 and 19. I love how um, Isaiah says this. He says, forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. In those short verses, we're getting a picture of Jesus. It's Jesus who is the new thing. And, and when it's talking about streams in the wasteland. It's, it's speaking of the Holy Spirit that God is going to send. We have to pay attention to the whole of Scripture. But it's really common in Christian circles today to disregard the Old Testament of the Bible. But when we do that, we miss out on the reality of Jesus that's found throughout the entire Bible. And when we know that and we embrace it, our witness is always emboldened. Pastor David Murray, in his book um, called Jesus on Every Page, he wrote this. God has never manifested himself to men in any other way than through the Son. That is his sole wisdom, light, and truth. From this fountain, Adam, Noah, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and others drank all that they had of heavenly teaching. From the same fountain, all the prophets have also drawn every heavenly oracle that they have given forth. May this reality embolden our testimonies. Here's our last point today. Miracles are not the main point of the story, just the attention getter. Honestly, this final point is a version of the first point. I just think it's really important for us to grab hold of, to take home. Miracles are not the main point of the story. They are just the attention getter. 
Have you ever gone out to dinner? Um, for me, it would probably be a Mexican restaurant because that's what Brandy loves the most and I've grown to love it the same. Have you ever gone out to a Mexican restaurant and you are so hungry that when they bring the chips and salsa, you like they you eat the first bowl of it, like the, the first dish of it together, and then they're like, hey, do you want more chips and salsa? And you're like, sure. And then you eat all the rest of the next like all the chips and then the food comes and it's usually for me it's like carne asada tacos and onion and cilantro always love it like that and then all of a sudden this food that i i ordered is not really that appealing anymore because i kind of took care of my appetite already i was satisfied now why is that because i focused so much on the appetizer that i forgot about why i went out in the first place have you ever done that before my personal story uh, about how I came to the Lord is pretty crazy. I've shared it with a number of you before and um, with our church. But God spoke to me through a CD player in a 1990s Mazda protege. But my spiritual life would never have taken shape if I had only focused on the sign that God revealed himself to me and not the person of Jesus. If I, if I had just looked at what he did and not focused on who Jesus was and investigated for myself, I wouldn't be a Christian today. I am absolutely certain of it. I would be a sign chaser. I would be probably talking to, I'd be looking at horoscopes and, and doing Ouija boards and talking to psychics. That's not God's heart for us. It never is. The religious leaders of the time of Jesus were asking for signs from him to prove who he was. And here's what his answer was. Matthew chapter 12, verse 39. He said, a wicked and adulterous generation ask for a sign, but none will be given it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of a huge fish, so the Son of Man will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Why do we get so caught up in signs? Because we think, or at least I think, that if I get more of a sign, that my belief is going to really be solidified more. But Jesus says that isn't actually true at all. And when we look at the history of God's people, the Israelites, as they were being led out of captivity uh, to the Egyptians, they were miraculously led through the Red Sea by Moses. And very soon after that, they still worshiped an idol that they made by their own hands. Now, some teach that everyone can be healed if they just believe it. But if I'm being honest, that doesn't check out with my reality. Everybody still dies. And if we're being honest, believers still get sick. We prayed fervently for Brandy's grandpa over the last five or six years to get well. But Grandpa Wayne didn't get well. It wasn't meant to be. Ultimately, that is okay. We are okay with that because we have no doubt that Grandpa Wayne is in the presence of God today where Revelation 21.4 tells us that there is no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. You can be healed and still miss heaven. As I mentioned earlier, I know people who are healed of incredible things. I know people who are healed of cancer and it didn't change their outlook and it didn't change how they lived one tiny bit. The point of the miraculous, then and today, was never about a show of signs, but instead to point us to a right relationship with our Creator. 
And the Bible says this is how we do it. Right in this same passage, even if we too have acted in ignorance, and I know I have. Acts chapter 3, verse 19, it says, Repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. Ultimately, that's what these are all for. Signs are to point us to the reality of God, to so much so that we rethink our lives to the degree that we choose to walk a different path. And when we do that, we get to live this refreshed life from God with this unending spring that will well up in our hearts. John 7, 38 talks about it. It says, whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. If you've made the decision today to follow Jesus for the first time, if you made that decision today for the first time, or if you want to be baptized to publicly declare your commitment to Jesus, email hillary at edgeaurora.com and do it right now. Don't waste any time because today is the day of the Aurora area baptisms. May God bless you and we'll see you in just a few minutes.